In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie. To support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at LLS.org slash climb. These guys are barrels of fun. This is section 422. Welcome to section 422 podcast, episode number 60. It is Thursday, June 4th. Derek Van Riper here with Will Salmon. On this episode, we're going to discuss the conference call on Wednesday. David Stern spoke to the media for the first time in a few weeks, and he covered a very wide variety of topics, so we're going to discuss uh, some of those things, as well as a recent piece that Will has been working on, trying to sort out some of the key questions on on how rosters in general uh, might look in 2020. Now, Will, uh, you were on the call. I I was not on Wednesday. You wrote a piece that already went up on The Athletic, and uh, we'll put a link to that, of course, for people listening on our app. Um, Stern's covered a very wide range of, of topics in that call with you guys yesterday and it was i thought very honest very refreshing and even maybe a little bit surprising as well just given the uh, varying statements around the league and even from the league itself taking more than a week to say anything following the murder of george floyd last week david stearns was pretty reflective i thought i think that there's a segment of people who would probably have wanted him to be even more blunt and use a little bit more plain speak with his approach. But honestly, in the world of Major League Baseball, what David Stearns discussed for the first several minutes of a call with media Wednesday, a lot of that was nothing that was being touched by other people in the game, um, particularly at, at the top. Uh, David Stearns talked about just reflecting the past couple of days, trying to absorb all the news, and thinking of ways that he could do better, his generation can do better. He mentioned the idea of being a kid in middle school in 1999 in New York City and hearing on the news of a man who was 23 years old, Amadou Diallo, who was doing absolutely nothing wrong, sitting on his, I think his stoop, his the front steps of his apartment building in the Bronx, and he was shot at 41 times. 19 of those shots killed him. So that was a point that he was trying to make that all these years later, you know, more than 20 years later, in a sense, nothing has changed. And that's pretty sad. It's pretty pathetic, honestly. And so... You could 
talk about wanting to do better and feeling for the situation and trying to do different things. But what I also liked what David Stern said was the Brewers were going to act. And we have seen people in the organization act and use their platform, donate, do the right thing. And so that was refreshing, I thought. And it was good on David Stearns to to use his platform as a 35-year-old white GM in baseball. Uh, We need more voices like that on this topic. And so it it was refreshing to hear him. Yeah, I think what I keep coming back to, I keep thinking to myself, how are we going to follow through once things begin to come back, right? The things that have prevented many of us from taking any sort of active role in the past, I would say they're distractions. They're things like entertainment, like sports, like Major League Baseball. And that's not to say that those are all inherently bad things. They're not. But we have known that this injustice, this disparity, this has existed for my entire lifetime, your entire lifetime, for generations, for hundreds of years. And this has to be the turning point. This has to be the time that things actually begin to change. It can't just be words this time. And looking around and seeing how an increasing number of people in and around sports are talking about issues that they've generally been uncomfortable talking about, that they've steered away from in the past, I do have that glimmer of hope that it really will be different this time. Yeah, I, sh- I share that to an extent. Um, unfortunately, I just feel like there, there, there's always going to be evil. Um, I don't know, man. It's it, I, I share some sense of hope, but it, it's too easy sometimes to say that it will get better. Um, it will improve. I, I got to see it. I, I want to see it. I want to see some things change. I want to see some 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 old ways change, some old ways of thinking change. I also think that people need to be careful with saying that. Oh, we need a distraction. We don't. We don't need a distraction. Like people are quick to say, like, oh, we need baseball back. We need a distraction. Like that's like the, that's the furthest thing this country needs is a distraction. I mean, that's that's pretty clear. I think that's kind of the point that you're that you're making there. It's like we've had distractions, and clearly we've been too distracted or too occupied with the wrong stuff. Not to say that I don't welcome the idea of baseball being back and and maybe providing some form of entertainment and some different avenues to just relax or take your mind off some things once in a while. Uh, but I just be careful with that phrasing of distraction, which is something that we haven't used here, but other people have. Um, you know, in that story that you mentioned earlier, you know, David Stearns was asked about just what role baseball could play. Uh, toward the end of that article, I kind of questioned like, does it help in any way? Because I'm not really sure. Um, I could get down with the line of thinking that it helps on some level because there is some sort of unity in that. And it can it can be a, bi- a vehicle for bigger things. But something Stearns also said that really stuck with me was, you know, on its own, no, it's not going to fix anything. Um, but I, I think it can, at its best, be be helpful. Yeah, there's... A lot to un- unpack there. 
And I think it was our colleague, Levi Weaver, he covers the Rangers, and he was the one that really pointed it out in a very clear way over the weekend that having baseball back really could be as far as our attention to social injustice, it could very much be a bad thing because again, I I think it's a part of it's one of many parts of why it hasn't been addressed to this point. So, and this is I'm saying this is someone whose livelihood hinges on sports coming back at some point. That's just the honest truth. We need to make this right. And I understand your skepticism too. I mean, we've, we've seen glacial progress in our lifetimes. If, if we could even call it that. Yeah. Um, I agree. I agree with what he said too. It's just, it's too, it's just too easy there to, to say like, we need a distraction. We need something. And, and, oh man, I just wish baseball was back. You know, it's like, it's just too, it's just too easy to, that, that's just, it's too comforting. That's what it is. That's that's really what it is. And people just go to it because we're having uncomfortable conversations. And they are important conversations to have. like Because we wouldn't be having them without this. Right? They, they just wouldn't, wouldn't have been happening. Looking through some of the other comments here. I mean, the, the other questions, the topics were focused on the return of the season. And if you've been reading the reports from Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellick, if you've been wondering, well, is, is baseball going to come back? It's, it's still okay to ask that question. It's still okay to follow that story. We're not shaming anyone who's, who's interested in that. I, we have an interest in that too, we just mentioned. But what I think has been really disheartening, despite the fact Stearns, Stearns' quote, on the call was, from my perspective, despite the Twitter bickering back and forth and the posturing back and forth, I'm optimistic that we are going to play baseball this year. I'm optimistic that both sides genuinely want to play baseball this year. And if there is a path to doing so, even if it's a shorter season, even if it's 50 games, I think that is doable and I think it is needed. I do think both sides recognize how important it is. And... He has other stuff in that quote. We'll end it there. I, I just, I, I'm glad as as someone who's much closer to the exchanges than than I am that he feels that way. But the posturing of the owners and some of the assertions that they lose more money by playing more games this season than by even not playing at all, that just doesn't add up for me. I, I can't. I can't rectify that in my mind. I can't even trust that to be remotely true. Yeah, it's hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, Mark Antonazio, uh was about a week or two ago at this point on a webinar, kind of went into detail about the revenue and how, from his perspective, he could see that as a loss for team for certain for for the majority of teams. Um, and how not playing games because you're not making money off of the gate. You're not having people buy t- buy tickets. I don't know. It's it's like we don't have access to those numbers, so we can't say with any sort with any sort of um, 
uh, conviction one way or the other that that's true or not. So I would le- I would lead on skepticism just because I, I don't know that to be true. So I can't say that it's true. Uh, but those what David Stern said about the start a, a possible start of the season was kind of like what I what I felt. And again, like you said, he's closer to the situation, of course, than I am. But he's also not an owner or in the players' association, so I don't know. It's like part of me is like, okay, well, what did I expect him to say in that situation? No, we're not going to play, guys. <laughs> you know, like, he's not going to. He's not going to. Yeah, he's not going to say that. He's like, oh, you know, that fifty games. Oh, that's bogus. Let's not do that. I mean, so part of me was like, okay. I agree. on a scale of like one to ten, I probably will give you like a seven or an eight on on whether or not I feel like a baseball season will be played in twenty twenty. But yeah, I, I just I'm a little bit skeptical of of going all in on it just because of of what we've seen, and I think it's it's easy to dismiss all of that as just uh, back and forth bickering, as you put it. I guess. What I need is I just need proof, though. Like, if, if you're going to say that not playing is better than playing for our business, show me your work. Show me your math, right? Like, show me the numbers behind that. Like, you, you can't make a claim that is so counterintuitive. You can't say that and, and just expect that to fly on its face. Yeah, no, I I think like at Atanasio was kind of going in depth a little bit on it, but we don't have those numbers. Those aren't accessible, so we can't even fact check it or check it at all. So what, until they open books, it's just it's a conversation that it's not even worth it because there's no way to prove it one way or the other. So the other thing that I, I thought was was pretty interesting. I, I know you're working on a piece about what rosters might look like in 2020 is I gathered that there isn't necessarily a lot of clarity even at the David Stern's level like GMs don't know necessarily what they're going to be able to do as they try to build teams for this season did you come away from the call feeling that way yeah pretty much I kind of felt better about my own lack of knowledge on the subject considering that David Stearns didn't have answers to the questions that I had I had asked him in regards to the roster and how it could look namely what the size of it would be we, we still don't know exactly the thought is that it would be sort of like a 30-20 split of a you know an active roster of 30 guys and 20 or so reserved for a taxi squad but we don't know how it would be utilized as far as the specifics go how long it would take for somebody to join the a team and how long they could stay for any of the particulars like that, or even what type, which players could even be considered for it. And I would imagine that some teams will devote a couple of roster spots to prospects just because there in all likelihood won't be a minor league season. And so there will be some guys, of course. And I think uh, for, for example, related to the Brewers, uh, Drew Rasmussen comes to mind as a guy who Craig Council at one point in spring training a few months back said that he would probably see the majors at some point, but not right away. So to me, that's a guy that I would consider putting on my roster if it was the way I described it as a 30-20 split, just because, hey, if you thought that he would be ready, 
he's he's good enough to help you out probably and yeah maybe he wouldn't have been ready for the big league club in april but and perhaps he would have joined you in august but maybe that means he could join you in september i don't know um so there there could be ways that teams could utilize a couple of those spots depending on who they are and maybe the Brewers were one of those. Uh, David Stearns did not outrule that possibility. He even said that it, he could see that the Brewers may in fact do that, where there is a guy or two who are prospects that we see on that roster. But again, we don't know for sure. And to be clear, the bulk of that is going to be guys who are able to compete at the major league level, of course, because the Brewers see themselves as a team that, regardless of the length of a season, they should be competitive. And so we, I wouldn't expect them to use a lot of those spots for guys who wouldn't necessarily contribute right away um, or could be counted on to do so. But one or two spots, maybe. I don't know. The other part of it, too, is we've gotten some questions just from readers and listeners about, well, what happens with Logan Morrison, for instance, a guy who really performed well a few months ago in spring training with news of the DH. He's a, he's a really good fit for that. Uh, powerful bat even off the, off the bench for you. What does this mean for him? And that was another one where David Stearns just, we don't know yet because guys like him, guys who had that, those invites to spring training or... On minor league deals, they have these opt-out sort of clauses uh, in their contracts where if they if um, the week before the season, they can make a decision. And we don't know like what the status of, of that is because we are well, well beyond that and we're in a whole different type of situation now. And I think the other layer of this kind of bridges those two things in that you mentioned like Drew Rasmussen, he of course is a minor leaguer, has been a minor leaguer to this point in his career on the brink of becoming a major league player. We've seen a lot of teams releasing players over the past week or so. And you know, looking at some of the numbers, Baseball America has been tracking uh, 2020 releases. So they're taking March, April, and May and putting it together and comparing that number to previous years because the, everything was at a standstill. So it, what they're looking for is they're trying to figure out, are teams actually releasing more minor leaguers than usual? Did Stearns give any indication as to, A, whether the Brewers are releasing or going to release more players from their minor league system than they have in past years? And B, did he shed any light on uh, the status of paying minor leaguers for this season, even if there are no minor league games. He didn't actually. Um, it's, some, it's one of those things that just was not asked in that particular on that particular call. Um, but from other conversations I've had, we've been told that it's pretty much in line with what they've done in the past. If you go to sort of uh, either Baseball America or even just the MILB uh, transactions logs, you could kind of compare and list it. But the problem with those is that they're still very much works in progress and they're not exactly complete. So we don't know the what the exact totals will be. So I think we're probably a couple of weeks out on that, on whether or not we could really kind of compare and see I think for some teams, it's it's pretty clear that they've over that they've released more. Um, I think the Brewers are one of those teams where we may have to wait a little while to kind of see and look back and compare on previous years and add up the totals from the months. 
and then go at it um, afterward and, and kind of look at it from there. Uh, for now, minor leaguers for the Brewers are getting that uh, $400 stipend. Per week. As most yeah. teams are per week. Yeah. So and that's pretty much what we know. We don't know if that's going to continue after the end of June. Right now, it's just through June at least. So you would think it will, but we don't know uh, for sure. Again, in all likelihood, there won't be a minor league season. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of questions surrounding the whole operation there. What I've also noticed looking at some things over at Baseball America, one of their reports indicated that there's there have been some conversations about having Fall League uh, both in Arizona where they normally have it, but also in Florida and extending both of those as a potential way to uh, have minor league players have some competition that's months away so that's very different than a typical season and again i don't bring all these things up because i'm trying to make the league or any team look bad it's just it's a big problem to navigate for them figuring out okay what are we really going to do how are we going to continue player development we got to make sure we're, we're paying these guys can we can we keep all these guys like they the draft is smaller. We're going to talk a lot about the draft the next couple of weeks. It's only five rounds this year. So you don't have the same influx of new players coming into rookie ball and low A. That's not going to be the case. There's a, a pretty low cap, just $20,000 for a signing bonus for any undrafted players. That's going to make it really difficult for a lot of players who are not selected in the first five rounds to begin a professional baseball career this summer. Um, so we're looking at a combination of events around the game that we really just haven't seen before. And I just think it's increasingly apparent that even within the game itself, the clear answers are not there yet. Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all, man. It's, it's unfortunate a lot too. Like David Stearns was talking. One thing he did talk about was that, signing bonus and what happens or what he anticipates will happen after those five rounds next week. And he said something that was pretty interesting and something that you and I have discussed here with the Brewers probably, and we don't know for sure, but probably more of an appealing team than, than others as far as if you are going to take that bonus um, and take that chance on yourself or whatever your options are that make that the most attractive one. The Brewers outlook is, hey, we're an organization that have we have the room for you or we, we have the spots for you. Guys have moved up quickly within our system so that they could try to sell themselves is, is what David Stearns was saying on the call. And that's how it could be sort of appealing to guys in some ways, but it's just, yeah, how many of those guys will be in that situation? How many of the Brewers will end up signing? Who knows? Yeah, the other thought that I've had with this before is will teams increase base pay for minor leaguers to offset the limited signing bonuses? Because you can't just selectively pay some low-A players who sign for a small bonus more money than everybody else at low-A. It's not, not allowed in the system. My lean would be that they just wouldn't do that. And my reason for believing that is 
teams very rarely, I think the Blue Jays last year are one of the few examples, teams very rarely voluntarily increase the base pay of their minor league players. That is just it's almost unprecedented. So uh, there doesn't seem to be a workaround that teams have used in the past that would be employed here. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if any team steps up and, and does something like that to make their offer more desirable. The only thing I really do like about the idea is that the players at least have an opportunity to, to choose if they're in that situation of, hey, uh, this is the best idea for me. Yeah, it's not the, mo- the most money, but for whatever reason, this makes the most sense for the path that I want to take. This is what I believe is best for me. They could at least choose the team that they want to go to. Uh, which is kind of refreshing. Um, it's a small, it's it's small on the list of things, I guess. But as opposed to just being drafted and hey, here's my team, here's 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 the club that I hope to make it with. At least they could choose. At least they could choose and say, okay, this actually does make sense for me, and this is why, and this is why I'm actually choosing this club um, based on their farm system, based on conversations whatever um so at least there's that part i mean if, you, if you're looking for i guess maybe I'm, I'm i'm uh grasping at straws but um just from a player you know just from that perspective at least that at least there's that yeah, i'm uh i'm struggling to find positives <laughs> <laughs> i tried to give you I, one, I, i'm with you though I, I it's it's a huge it's a huge hit for the game I, um it's, it's not a way to encourage young players to choose baseball if you're talking about players that could be multi-sport athletes i think if you're a few years away from being drafted that that's the group of players i'm talking about you know your pursuit of baseball versus basketball or baseball versus football it becomes easier to choose one of the alternatives when a much smaller number of players will be drafted and when undrafted players uh, are starting with so little in their bank accounts and knowing that the the day-to-day life in the lower minor leagues especially is uh, just a grind. So I I hope that this is temporary, but you just you never know. Uh there's a, there's a lot of animosity right now between the owners and the players and it it keeps playing out publicly on Twitter and and even as we sit here now in the first week of June, I I think it's more likely than not that we do end up with a season but I look ahead and I see the collective bargaining agreement expires after the 2021 season and I think you and I both know that is going to be a very difficult negotiation that's going to be just as bad and probably worse than what the players and owners are trying to sort out on the fly right now ahead of a potential 2020 campaign yeah, it's confusing when you look at it because you say to yourselves, like, hey, don't they don't they see that? Like, don't they see what's on the horizon here? Even if you sort of mandate that 50-game season and say, okay, this is what we're going to do, whether you like it or not, this is what we're going to push for. Like, it's just so short-sighted. So, and then the other side of that, too, is, like, the idea of not playing the season, too. Um, I that's yeah the 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 lasting impact on that it goes without saying so yeah the whole the whole that part of we're gonna force this one this we're gonna force this idea on you is just extremely short-sighted when you have 
that on the horizon and it's just it's not gonna make anything it is it's just kind of prolonging the inevitable yeah and just straining those negotiations uh even further in the future it's uh yeah I, I don't I don't see a rapid turnaround in that relationship, even if we get an agreement in the next couple of days. And if you think about it, and I've probably said this on the show before, I mean, now that we're in the first week of June, it's going to take a week to get players to report for spring training 2.0 to get from wherever they are to wherever that's going to be, most likely in major league cities, right? I, I don't think everyone's going back to Arizona and Florida. It sounds like training is going to happen at big league facilities. So you account for a week for that, and you account for three weeks of spring training type activities. That's four weeks. I mean, take take the calendar right now, today on June fourth. Go four weeks into the future, and um, you know it's July second in four weeks. You're, you're we're four weeks away from Fourth of July weekend. So that that kind of soft floating idea that baseball in 2020 might have an opening day of the 4th of July for that to be a reality. Those two sides have to come together within the next handful of days, really probably by the early part of next week at the absolute latest to, to make that possible, unless they can get players to report in less than a week. And unless they can comfortably get players ready to play in less than three weeks, but that just doesn't seem feasible to me. Yeah. It would have to get done. A, like you said, in a couple of days and that's, I guess for the 82 game season setup, because otherwise you're not playing 82 games. You're not playing 80 games within that time frame. You're just not because the other part of it is that they don't want to play beyond October, of course, um, for a couple of different reasons. One being the threat of a second wave of the virus. So, yeah, but you could also still get get to the agreement within the next within the next two weeks, though, and still plays less than eighty games and go with like a, a sixty to seventy game. But the point is, is that the clearly the longer we go, the lesser the season will be. Right, and that ultimately plays into at least the publicly stated side position of the owners, like they are pushing for that that smaller total of games, which, again, very counterintuitive to me, at least as a, a podcast host and, and writer, not as uh, someone who runs giant businesses. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't I can't fully wrap my head around that. But uh, that is going to wrap things up for this episode of Section 422. You can find Will on Twitter, at Will Salmon. You can find me, at Derek Van Riper. Be sure to check out Will's recent pieces as well. Lots of great stuff up there to read. For Will Salmon, I'm Derek Van Riper. Thanks for listening. We're back with you next week from Section 422.